So at the invitation of the abbot and uh, hopefully for the welfare of the community, offer a few words this evening. <clears throat> and uh, it's about balance, mm-hmm. finding balance, living in balance, the results of balance. Yeah. And particularly, I suppose, when, when I come to this monastery, Runa Ratanagiri, it's a quality that strikes me from the moment I, the moment I come in because the whole place is set up around, <laughs> around balance. Uh, it's a teaching in its own right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of open space within it. It's amazing, the monastery that's in some ways quite small maintains so much space because it's it's got balance, it's uncluttered, it's not full of unnecessary bits and pieces, it's it's got openness within it. And uh and that openness is something you can feel it. I feel it anyway. And uh, walk around and notice uh various elements here there are uh figurines, icons, images. And there's just one. And a nice one image, nice wall, a bit of stone. Not five images, <laughs> just one colour, or maybe just a grey and a slight uh, stone colour. Not blue, red, yellow. There's <laughs> no fighting. The, the images aren't clashing with each other, they're not jumping to your eyes. <laughs> they're leaving your, your mind just being encouraged to open and taking one thing with a lot of space around it. And you notice, I notice that visually, the visual impression in the, in the monastery. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it was, oh, it's just aesthetics, but actually it's eye consciousness. And, uh, you know, and the recognition, recognition that uh, eye consciousness is one of those powerful uh, suggestions to, to mental consciousness. You know, they, they link up very quickly. We're prim- primarily we're visual beings in terms of consciousness. Yeah. So, you know, you can say, what do you see? You look around in the world in general, you see bright lights, flashing things, jumble, clatter, conflict, yeah. too much crowds, congestion. Uh, you hear lots of loud sounds. You've got five consciousnesses fighting with each other. And it's uh, your mind is just left in this kind of, you know, pulped by it all, battered by it all. <laughs> and, you know, you just wonder the way that the situations people live in, you know, the, cl- the crowd and the conflicts between the, the images and the sounds and everything demanding attention, demanding attention, jumping into you, you know. You walk through an airport, everything's jumping into you. You have to go through one of these ghastly shopping precincts and everything is jumping at you, <laughs> demanding attention, demanding money, demanding you buy it. Just somewhere that doesn't actually do that and instead it encourages a sense of, okay, there's that, external, internal, and there's a cooling effect and a stabilising effect. Um, 
And that's really the hallmark of the middle way. We talk about the middle way and the extremes are mentioned, obviously, but once you start to even consider something like a middle way between two extremes, you realise, well, between two extremes there's got to be balance. Balancing different polarities, where the human mind obviously swings. Balance is not easy for people. Yeah. So in this classic example, there's the movement towards either repudiation of the sense world completely or saturation in it. In the, in the chanting of the sutta that we chanted today, to extremes that should not be followed. There's an abnegation, a repudiation of sense, sense, sense realm, uh, and a, and a this, you know, and then the other is saturation in it, somewhere in the middle. Not partaking, not being seized by, maintaining balance. And clearly this is to do with the external qualities that we're contacting us and the internal qualities that's happening in our own subjective consciousness, subjective awareness. And that's, that's the hallmark. Yeah. And the Buddha says, that's what I have realized. <laughs> Before he even started talking about noble truths, he said, the middle way has been realized by a tathagata. Interesting phrase, interesting word. One who has gone or come into thusness. Or you could say, come into true. Or you could say, come into balance because when you you know it's a simple enough word and your body can find it and when you find it in your body you realise the balance quality there's no pushing there's no pulling there's no tension it's open it's quiet by itself, it generates a quality of space. And you can't exactly locate where it is, but it's present, central. And if you maintain that, all the stresses and the tensions in your body begin to release. Yeah, that's bodily. Now, when we recognize that the meditation practice at least as I understand it, yeah, uh, including the four establishments of mindfulness, you're taking the body, or this quality of body, as a leader. Not the sensual body, not the external body, but the quality of the body that is the breathing, living body. This internal quality, you could say. And how breathing will flow most naturally when you're in balance. When you're not tight or tensed. And naturally this means your external conditions are not pushing you or forcing you. You're aware of them. You're poised. They're definitely placed somewhere. You're not spacing out. And yet you're not caught by it. And then breathing, you feel safe and, and open. And then there's balance. And this is in your, within that, the body begins to maintain that, find that, and one is able to bring one's 
awareness, one's attention to that, all the stresses and complexities of the mind begin to both manifest, but also empty out. Of course, this it takes quite a bit of time and patience and perseverance because the complexities of our mind, of what we've given so much attention, so much delight, so much anguish, so much personality around, yeah, around the, the complexities of our, our mind. But when you begin to contemplate it from the point of view of balance, you realize actually Moses is just unresolved, unresolved tension, resistance and craving, but, you know, hanging back or pushing forward and all the residues of that, all the discord and that, you know. Somebody today was mentioning, talking about uh, a personality disorder. Well, I don't think you have a personality disorder. I think a personality is a disorder. (laughs) 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 You manage it. Because it's the, it's, the, it's the manifestations that are necessary for functioning. So you have, it's there, but, uh, okay, that's that. Mm. Not going to repudiate it. I'm not going to follow it. And just that's that. And gradually the personality becomes eased and emptied of its tangles and confusions. Mm. It's, it's quality of balance has a purifying effect in its own right. And so often, you know, as we try to make right effort, we don't really understand the right effort isn't about stressing. You know, we're aiming to come into balance, not to arrive at some particular state in the future or high of some kind, but actually to purify the goal-seeking the stressfulness, the tension and the resistances of our minds. And then the result is an emptiness, an openness, this quality arises. So this is the the sign of the the middle way. And if we go into the details, certainly not going to go into the details tonight, but it's pretty obvious, the Eightfold Path, Samma, Fitting, that which fits, that which is appropriate, sammar. We, we obviously will use the word right and wrong, but actually perhaps fitting, um, true. Right view, sammaditi. There is that which is given, that which is offered, that which is sacrificed. There's a sense of we respond to our environment. You know, there is the results of good and bad deeds. We're in something. We're in a context that we respond to. So within that responding to a context, we're finding a balance within ourselves, in the world around us. And the tools that we use for this, or the guidelines we use for this, which I would like to elucidate a little bit this evening, um, Sati Sampajanya. Sati, you're familiar with, Mindfulness, that which bears something in mind, sometimes likened to a post that you stick in the ground. 
the Buddha said, when you establish mindfulness fully in the body, it's like a post, you stick it in the ground, and you tether the sense bases to it, rather like tethering six wild animals to this post you have stuck in the ground. Yeah? The six wild animals being seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, thinking, and smelling. So it's all the sense organs. So if we recognize that the tactile sense is one of the wild animals, then we say mindfulness established in the body is not established in the tactile sense, is it? Because that's one of the animals you're trying to restrain. It's established in the energetic quality, the balancing quality. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, balance is not a tactile quality, is it? It's the absence of tactile qualities. It's almost like the sense, it's not sensation, it's a, it's, an, it's a steadiness. So that, and you establish that, and you tether the senses to that so they don't pull out. And then they begin to rest and, and be tamed by that. So if we're using that as a model for sati, uh, establishing, and sampajanya, <coughs> translated in various ways, Clear comprehension was the, one of the old ways of translating it. Um, full awareness, uh, clear knowing, direct knowing, all these will do. There's a quality anya, knowing, stampa, thara, pa, complete. Some complete, full knowingness. You know, so make, make that what you like. But its function is to operate as a, as a regulator. So having established the frame of uh, sati, Sampajanya roams around the topic, checking, moderating, you know, regulating. And how does it regulate? Well, there are said to be four um, functions or four domains <coughs> of Sampajanya. <coughs> One is there's a sense of, it's called sata. Sata, which means sata or sata, which means there's a sense of meaning. You could say purpose, meaning, um, you know, we're not doing things that are shallow. There's a meaningfulness in what we're doing. There's a sense of, yeah, you know, we're not bothered concerning ourselves with trivia or distractedness. We're living a meaningful life. So, so we're operating what is meaningful. Sata. <clears throat> and this itself is a, just that itself is a very good regulator. You start to run through your activities, what's relevant, what's useful, what are you here for, and put, 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 discard, 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 strengthen that, focus on that. Yeah. And then that definitely gives your sati some practical um, here and now references to to uh, abide in. Um, another one is um, Gochara. Gochara is like a field. Um, <clears throat> um, it means uh, a domain or a context, contextual, contextual awareness. So this is also very useful, very useful, uh, <laughs> extremely useful. 
reference because the nature of the mind, well, unfortunately, is to lose context. It gets obsessed. It gets introverted. It gets narrowed. It gets fixated. Fixated on its wishes, fixated on its opinions, fixated on its, its own welfare, irrespective of what's around us. And you can see this happening uh, pretty much everywhere. Lack of field awareness. How is this affecting others? Is this appropriate this time and place? Uh, is this the right time the right place? Is this the right person? Uh, uh, is my body actions, are they, uh, you know, how's that affecting other people? And certainly when you, when you go to Thailand, and particularly somewhere where you, you go to, a, say, a cafe, and a, a Thai, Thai people come in and they kind of move around each other and they back off and they wait for somebody else to come forward and they take their time. The Westerner comes cr crashing in, <laughs> completely oblivious, a cup of coffee. <laughs> the Thais are all <laughs> totally focused on their own. In the time, like oh, just aware of where other people are uh, and how their how their body language is going to affect each other. They do a lot of kind of slight, you know, deferential moves or softening the body so that you don't create a, a strong, uh, uh, abrasive uh, experience for other people. You soften it. That's an example of contextual awareness, and certainly in in our training. This is the way we learn to use our bodies like this in these monasteries. So you learn to move around carefully, uh, spaciously, um, how to defer, how to back off, how to wait for somebody else to move, how to be aware of what people are doing behind you. You know, uh, you're going through the food line, how to be aware there's other people behind me, so don't just grab all the cakes for myself. <laughs> you know, contextual awareness. And is this the right time to say something? Or not? And you listen. Very useful. Because we're also verbally un <laughs> lose awareness of the field. Our opinions and views seem so important to express at this particular time whether anybody else is interested, wants to hear it or not. I've definitely noticed this a lot. And, um, you know, and I, I've uh, tried to practice some of that, need, the need for it. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it time to express an opinion? Is there an invitation? Is there an openness? Or not? Not? Just wait. And then if there is, may I? Then you move forward. It's not like you don't have one, never have one, but you wait, you wait for the moment, and then contextually opens up something to say. It's not about speaking or not speaking. It's about awareness, appropriate awareness of time and place. And you've probably heard this before. But um, that's, the, that's the epitome. It's not just being polite. It's not about just being nice to other people. It's about moderating your own energies and your own views and thoughts so there's always some space around what you're thinking nothing's coming out with a huge amount of pressure that has to be said just wait until you get some space around it particularly if you're emotionally steamed up <laughs> just go into your body 
go down to your feet, feel your feet, let the energy steady, breathe out, walk up and down until there's the time, enough space around it to be able to find the right time, the right place to speak. And that's the balance. And you know, this is all this is about sila morality, isn't it? You know, we can see this in terms of precepts. Precepts are the outward form of, of morality. Uh, the nature of it is awareness of the others, mutuality, awareness of the field of other beings, and what you say, what you do, how you move, it's going to affect somebody, and it will certainly affect you. So we have that need for sampajanya, gochara sampajanya, contextual. Mm. Very important one, well they're all important, sapaya. <coughs> sapaya means appropriate, fitting, well measured you could say. It can be called comfortable, but you should be aware that comfortable can easily slide into laid back. <laughs> you know, it's become kind of secularized entire Sabai, which can become like pretty much like beach time, you know, kick back. But Sapaya means more like, uh, you know, balanced energy. Balanced energy. You, know, you like the right energy very important uh, because it does have this sense it's comfortable the energy that you're using is quite warm it's fluid it's got potency but it's not harsh it's not strident but it's not cold and stagnant your energy can flow comfortably and you feel comfortable with it and this is a mark of our practice steady practice is sapaya practice, get into a harmonious rhythm in terms of the way you walk when you meditate so you're walking supaya, not fixated on getting it right not according to some mechanical system not being micro micro aware of sensations but just supaya. so your energy is not strained forward nor is it held back it's flowing when you get that happening in your body and your mind rests in that, it starts to discharge its dark moods and frustrations and excitement. Mm. So the body is so helpful to lead the mind where the mind has forgotten to go, or has lost it, or never found it in the first place. And the last is... Uh, <clears throat> Samoha, that means non-delusion. Yeah. And this means that we are aware uh, all forms, all conditions, all ideas, all expressions are changeable, uh, unsatisfactory, not self. We don't take a stand on them, nor do we take a, a nor do we reject them. We know them as they are. We are living in a world of changing conditions. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's a tendency for us to want to find the right condition. 
put it one way or another, the right temperature. Yeah, the right building, the right place, the right people, the right situation. Understandable, understandable. But the right situation is not found easily. It's found through measuring yourself against your circumstances until you come into harmony with it. The right place is here. We're not locking on to conditions or rejecting them. This takes quite a bit of work. <laughs> so I'm aware that, uh, you know, as you all are, I'm sure, you know, monastery, this place, for example, very cool, very pleasant, very peaceful, very, very tranquil. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it, take, it has taken, it takes a good deal of external work physical work, painting, fixing, mending, cleaning, tidying, preparing, opening, a lot of work. It also takes a lot of non of restraining. Don't pick up this. Yeah. Don't get you know, don't create a lot of occasions that you've got to get busy for. Don't get more busy. Do what's necessary. So there's a restraining. Yeah. And these are very important, the external conditions. Because certainly, I know there's quite a, quite a uh, many examples in even in monastic life of just uh, monastics who can't seem to stop building and increasing and adding and making more uh, out of something, you know. And the sense of just enough is enough, poor D, enough is enough. So that takes both an effort. Because you have to make effort in, in, a, in a situation where things are constantly changing and breaking down and new things are rising. It takes effort to manage them, to work with them. It also takes effort to restrain one's ambitions, restrain one's perspectives, restrain one's, one's attitudes, you know, and also restrain internally. There's a time when you just have to wait. This, we'd like this to be done. It'd be great if this could be done. Time is to wait. Because otherwise you're aiming for a condition and trying to make something happen before it's ready. You're not living in harmony with the middle way. So there's quite a bit of faith required to keep that openness in mind. So around this quality of balance we find faith, mindfulness, energy, effort, concentration and discernment uh, the indriya so this is how it supports awakening mm. just a simple example to conclude with an anecdote I've, uh, interestingly enough we were chanting the Dhamma Chakra Pawatana Sutta and, and this place, this monastery was where I did quite a lot of the calligraphy um, for the, the um, set of of illustrations and illuminations of that particular sutta. And uh, <laughs> it's not great. Whenever I see um, some nice calligraphy, I think, oh, great, you know. And generally, you see uh, like a phrase or a sentence or two, and uh, it sits on a wall on a nice sheet of paper, and it really strikes the eye, and it's something you can take with you balance and the weight. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. So I thought, yeah, I'd like to do, so I'd like to get that, do some more of that. So I got these some lovely quotes 
some really nice quotes of expiring things to write. So I'll write one out, so I'll get them there. Oh, actually, well, let's just get one sentence down, you know, because, no, no, it didn't quite. No. Let's just get the first word. Um, no, actually, I've got to sit that way so my shoulders relax, the my hands are relaxed, and I'm not leaning on it. Yeah, and I've got to get just the right amount of ink and then the paper and then get the angle and the light right. And then, well, maybe not one word. Perhaps I could just do one letter. Right, okay. And right now I'm just practicing trying to do one line <laughs> without dragging the nib forward, without going too fast, without leaning on it. Without, of course, something you want to do with nice curlicues and loops. Just see, one straight line. Can you just do one straight line steady without straining? If you can do that you're probably beginning to find what the middle way is about. <laughs> so thank you for your attention after this for your reflection this evening. <laughs> So